Whitney's first pick. You got the one you want to win. This kid's pretty good. The national champion who earned headliner status. The playmaker who made everyone take notice. And a couple of towns and arms were serious threats. That nobody saw moving up the charts. This guy is electric. Spunk the fuse to ignite the future. Highly decorated. Class is in session. Welcome to Sports School. I'm your host, Coach Dwayne, just a regular teacher with a sports mind on the post-NFL draft edition of Sports School. Going to be very football heavy, but the lesson today um, is an intriguing one. Uh, You're going to want to hear that rant as I go off on Major League Baseball. But the grades for today are going to be very NFL draft heavy uh, detention. Um, should be interesting. Great interview with Hall of Fame Reggie White's son, Jeremy White. So, uh, son of an NFL Hall of Famer. That is where our field trip and co-teaching will go to. Um, so, looking forward to that. It's going to be great stuff. It's going to be great stuff. So, let's dive right in. Let, let's jump right into it. Why is a teacher doing a sports podcast? Well, quite frankly... The students were not as excited as I was about the Falcons drafting Kyle Pitts, and it upset me. (laughs) Um, I was extremely excited about the potential of Kyle Pitts in an offense with Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Hayden Hurst, Matt Ryan. Um, So, tons of great stuff. Very excited. Let's jump into these grades. I'm going to give a quick kind of rundown of... What grades I gave each team, and then gonna dive into those like my favorite picks from those teams. So, starting with the A's, the teams that got A's, the Baltimore Ravens, Carolina Panthers, Chicago Bears, Cleveland Browns, Dallas Cowboys, Jacksonville Jaguars. I almost said San Diego, the Los Angeles Chargers, and the New England Patriots. Those are the teams that I gave A's to, starting with the Baltimore Ravens, who were wide receiver hungry, needed new uh, targets for Lamar Jackson, and they got two good ones. Uh, Rashad Bateman in the first round, talented wide receiver, when paired with Tyler Johnson, led a really unstoppable duo for P.J. Fleck and Minnesota up there, but the draft later at 131, Tylen Wallace out of Oklahoma State, who reminded me a lot of Michael Crabtree, kind of undersized, doesn't do one specific thing great, but he does almost everything well. Love the pick of Tylen Wallace, especially at 131, and then 160 getting Sean Wade out of Ohio State, who this year was exposed as an outside corner, but last year as a nickel corner was fantastic. If Baltimore is bringing him in to play in the nickel spot, this is a great pick, especially this late in the draft. If they're bringing him in to play the outside, I don't know what they're doing, but I'm pretty sure they're bringing him in to play nickel corner. Had he come out instead of going back to Ohio State, may have been a first or second rounder, but Baltimore gets the the fruits 
of that failure. And they get him at 160 where he's going to be able to slide in and play nickel for them. It should be a, it's a great, great pickup. One of my favorite picks of the draft for Baltimore. Moving on to Carolina Panthers, who I also gave an A, painfully gave them an A. All-around great draft, starting with J.C. Horn. Now, I thought J.C. Horn was the second-best corner behind Sertan. They thought J.C. Horn was the first-best corner. Either way, didn't see them going corner at eight. Was fairly shocked. Loved the second-round pick of Terrence Marshall Jr. I thought he was a first-round talent. I thought Green Bay was going to jump all over that. They did not. Chuba Hubbard at 126. Davion Nixon at 158. Deontay Brown at 193. Just an all-around great draft for the Carolina Panthers, filling lots of holes. J.C. Horn, if you need, in this division, you need corners that are unafraid. J.C. Horn is that. Went through college, didn't give up more than 50 yards to a wide receiver the entire time. Uh, Terrence Marshall, big body, played well. He was second. He was number two to Jamar Chase, so maybe that helped. But he's going to Carolina where he doesn't have to be the number two option. He's probably the number three option behind DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. Terrence Marshall Jr. is going to be able to sit right there um, as the number three receiver. Big body guy, 6'3". Um, great stuff. Chuba Hubbard's going to fill in that Mike Davis role quite well. A lot of carries at Oklahoma State. You know he's a, he's an every down back. He can ch- catch the ball. He's fast. He does. He's not afraid of contact. Davion Nixon, big body in the mix in the middle, and Deontay Brown, great interior lineman for the Panthers, who did have trouble protecting their quarterbacks last year. Moving on, the Chicago Bears, who now I give them an A. They traded up to get a quarterback. I don't think Justin Fields is going to be as great as everyone else. But I can acknowledge that the Cleveland Browns needed, or not, I'm sorry, the Chicago Bears needed a quarterback and they went up and got one. I also like what they did after the selection of Justin Fields. They go out, they get two tackles. Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State, who I thought should have been drafted before Alex Leatherwood. They go get Larry Borum, the tackle from Missouri. They get a running back to help. Uh, spell David Montgomery. They get Justin Fields, a solid wide receiver, and Daz Newsom out of the University of North Carolina. I like, I like what the Bears did here. They went, they they identified needs. They went to fill those needs. Now, can Justin Fields be the quarterback that everyone thinks he is? Can Justin Fields be the generational talent? Can he push the Bears over the edge? We'll see. He's in a division. Is Rodgers going to be gone? Because if Rodgers is gone, it's time for the Bears to step up and and they should be able to go to the playoffs. He's better than Jared Goff. And he's better than Kirk Cousins. So right now, he's, he's, you know, Goff, Cousins, they're right there. Kind of similar quarterbacks. Is he better than those guys? He's not better than Rodgers, but if Rodgers leaves, he's definitely better than Jordan Love. So if Rodgers leaves, then the Bears should be looking playoffs, without a doubt. But I give Chicago an A simply for identifying this was a problem and they solved it. The next A team for the draft was the Cleveland Browns. Uh, right off the bat, Awusu Kuramura, I thought, was the pick at 26. They end up getting him at 52. I don't know if it's his teams are unsure of what position he was going to play. I like Kuramura, especially behind that Cleveland defensive line where he's going to be able to just play with instinct. I like the corner in the first round, Greg Newsom. Good size, 6'2", runs well. I was kind of, eh, 
about the, the third round pick in Anthony Schwartz, but I get it. A fast guy, uh, lots of speed, but picks one and two. Richard Leconte, uh out of Georgia at 169 overall is, is a great pick. Um, and they get another running back, Dem- uh, Demetric Felton out of UCLA, a, a Chuba Hubbard-esque type running back. Maybe not as good, but he, he's going to be a, a weapon that they can use. He, he's, he's not going to get a lot of carries in that Cleveland backfield. But if one of those guys get hurt, he can fill either role. He can fill the Hunt role. He can fill the Chubb role if either one of those guys get hurt. My next A was the Dallas Cowboys, who... Now, I give this A with an asterisk. If they are not able to stop Devontae Smith every time these teams go head-to-head, then you, you kind of have to question it. I would have, If I'm the Dallas Cowboys, I would have rather stayed where I was, allowed the Giants to get Devontae Smith, because I trust Daniel Jones far less than I trust Jalen Hurts. You're allowing Jalen Hurts to pair back up with his former college teammate in Devontae Smith. If Dallas can't stop Devontae Smith, this draft grade comes down because they allowed Philly to move up and get that guy. But getting Michael Parsons at 12, some argued he was the best defensive player in the draft. I like the other linebacker they drafted, Jabril Cox, at 115. I thought he fell quite a bit. He reminds me a lot of Sean Lee. He's going to be able to step in play a Sean Lee role. Going to be interesting to see. Dallas didn't pick up Vander Esch's option if one of these two guys are supposed to be the Vander Esch replacement or if maybe there's something going on behind the scenes. Also like Simi Fihoko, a big-bodied wide receiver that they got late, late in the draft at 179. And, and they in there, a lot of defense. A lot of defense here, a lot of speed. Kelvin Joseph, uh, Osa Adugawuzia, or however you say the name, Chauncey Golston. Just a lot of speed. Quentin Bohama out of Kentucky. Israel Muk- I mean, they drafted a lot of guys whose names are hard to say as well. But a lot of speed for Dallas. You know Dan Quinn likes the speed. We're going to see. We're going to see if this works. I-, I give it an A. But again, if they can't stop Devontae Smith, this draft is going to be they're, it's going to be a constant reminder that they allowed Philadelphia to get this guy. The next A I gave to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence, obviously, love pairing him with ATN. Like Tyson Campbell in round two. Wasn't sure about the Walker Little pick, but the Cisco pick at 65, I loved it. Tufele, I thought, dropped lower than uh, expected. And then I said it in the simulcast. I love Jalen Camp. This is not just because I'm a Georgia Tech guy, but because he runs well, good size, put up more reps than DK Metcalf. Can be an option. Went to Georgia Tech as a running back, converted to wide receiver, doesn't have the stats, did not have the stats, played this year under uh, Collins' offense where he was kind of a go-to wide receiver for Jeff Sims. So that pick should be interesting. I like what Urban Meyer's doing here. Mixed a little offense, a little defense. Went and got one of his guys from Ohio State. It's hard not to get an A when you're able to draft Trevor Lawrence, though. The Chargers... I also gave an A. Rashawn Slater just kind of fell into their lap. I was kind of shocked that Dallas didn't take him at 12. But love the pick of Asante Samuel Jr. at 47, who I thought fell more 
than expected. They go, they get some line help. They go get another running back. They get another guy on the offensive line to try and protect Herbert uh, as well when they go get Brennan James from Nebraska. So overall, I like what the Chargers did trying to build around Herbert. Wasn't sure about the Palmer pick. The more I, I look into Palmer, I can see it. I, I like it. But I thought there were better wide receivers on the board at that point. But other than that, I like what they did. Went and got another tight end. Line help. Got another running back in Roundtree. So should be interesting. The last A that I handed out was to the New England Patriots, who... Belichick did it again. The NFL somehow allowed Belichick to get his guy, and he didn't even have to move to do it. Mac Jones goes to New England where everything I've said about him will go right out the window, and he will be like the next god of football. Uh, I'm not sure how the NFL lets these things happen. How does the NFL let Belichick continue to get his way? Not only that, at 38, they get Christian Barmore, who... Arguably was the best defensive tackle in this draft. They get a good rush end in Ronnie Perkins. A big power back in Ramondre Stevenson. Trey Nixon they get in, in round 7. They're able to build some line help. I, I just... I, I don't know how the NFL allowed... The Patriots were bad. We were all able to enjoy it. And now... The question now becomes... How long is Cam Newton the starter? Or is there two quarterbacks? You know, is McDaniels going to use Newton in, in run packages and then trot Mac Jones back out there? Are there going to be opportunities to have both quarterbacks on the field? Who knows? Should be interesting. Overall, love the Patriots draft. The Bees were Atlanta, Buffalo, Kansas City, Minnesota, the Giants and Jets, Steelers, 49ers, and Washington. Again, absolutely love Kyle Pitts. Love Kyle Pitts. Love Richie Grant at 40. Reminds me of, he does, again, he's all over the field. He tackles well. They went and they got some line help with Jalen Mayfield and Drew Dahlman. Tall corner in Darren Hall. Another big body guy who can challenge on the outside. Looks like either Isaiah Oliver or Kendall Sheffield is going to move into the slot. And then their last pick, Frank Darby, is a vertical guy. Quick for a deep threat. And looks nice as a fourth wide receiver. You're trotting out four wide receivers. Uh... And, and assuming Kyle Pitts is in one slot, you're allowed to put you, that allows you to put Julio or Calvin Ridley in the slot to create a more of a mismatch, and you can put Frank Darby on the outside, who who can push defenders upfield. Love the pick for Atlanta; they get a B. Buffalo, the Bills. I thought the Bills needed a running back, and they didn't take one in this draft, which is the only reason I did not give them an A. But I do like pairing Gregory Rousseau and Carlos Basham uh, at picks one and two. They go, they get some O-line help. Two tackles, Spencer Brown, Tommy Doyle. And they also get a guard later in the draft out of Texas Tech. Love what the Buffalo Bills did. They just continue to build depth, build depth, build depth. Building for the future. Uh, there in Buffalo, the future is bright. Not a lot of bad things you can say, other than, like I said, I felt like they needed a running back, and they did not get one. Kansas City gets a B. 
mainly because somehow they got Creed Humphrey in the second round, and they just continued to rebuild that offensive line. Apparently, they watched the Super Bowl where Mahomes ran 47 miles in one game, and they have just gone out and completely retooled this offensive line, and they fi- they finalized it. They put a stamp on it with the selection of Creed Humphrey, who I thought was the best center in this draft, and they got him at 63 overall, managed to fill a lot of holes despite not having a first-round pick. They get Nick Bolton at 58, uh, Creed Humphrey at 63. I-, I just like, again, this is another example of just... Building depth, building depth, building depth. The Minnesota Vikings, I gave them a B. They get Derisaw at 23. Kellen Mond, I was unsure, but I'm sure somewhere Kirk Cousins is going, why did we draft a quarterback? Why did we draft a quarterback? I think Kellen Mond is more of a project. I don't think Kirk Cousins should be too angry or upset about it. But the athleticism that Kellerman can bring is something that Kirk Cousins can't. And if the Minnesota struggles, you could see fans starting to call for Kellerman, wanting to see Kellerman. Chas Surratt out of North Carolina, their third-round pick, he's the guy that I liked the, uh, the most as far as value goes. They get him at 78, former quarterback, leading tackler at North Carolina, even his first year playing linebacker. Giant, or I'm sorry, the Vikings filled a lot of holes with this draft. They get a B because I'm just really unsure about why to take Kellerman, especially in the second round. The Giants get an, a B, but I don't really feel good about it. It's probably a B minus somewhere. Um, they're, they're kind of stuck with Kadarius Tony. They had to trade down. I'm pretty sure they were targeting, targeting Devontae Smith. The Eagles and the Cowboys worked together to make sure that didn't happen. <laughs> Coach Shaka Smith in the in the comments saying Matt Ryan's going to be pat <laughs> five thousand passing yards and forty two touchdowns. I would love it uh, as the Falcons go on to win games seventy to sixty three because their defense is still atrocious. But I don't hate the pick. He says the Vikings' expectations should increase if the Packers trade Aaron Rodgers. Absolutely, every team in that should divisions expectations should increase. Starting with the Vikings, the Bears, the line, all of them. All of them. But going back to the Giants, they draft Kadarius Tony. They still get a, a wide receiver. They go later in, in the draft at 196. They draft a running back. I'm just really up in the air about, about the Giants draft. I, it, it's a B, but it's like a low B. Like, it just barely gets a B because they check a lot of boxes. They get two corners. The, the Giants struggled on defense. They get two corners, two outside. I do love Ojulari, uh, especially at pick 50. I think that helped boost their draft grade. I give the Giants a B. The New York Jets, the New York Jets get a B as well. They go, they get their guy to Zach Wilson. Apparently this was the quarterback they liked more than Trevor Lawrence because they refused to tank for Trevor and accidentally won a game. But they get Zach Wilson, they then trade back up, they get Vera Tucker, they get him a wide receiver in Elijah Moore, they get him a running back, a third down back specifically in Michael Carter, Uh, one of two Michael Carters that they drafted, by the way. Uh, They drafted running back Michael Carter out of North Carolina, they drafted safety Michael Carter out of Duke, so two guys, same name, rival schools, that should be interesting. But the Florida State safety, 
Uh, Nasraldine is the pick that I really like. A tackler kind of fell down draft boards because of medicals. Um, they were looking at his knees. His his stock dropped, but Nasraldine. The second safety that they took can play all over the place for the Jets. Can come into the box, not afraid to hit. Love that pick later in the draft. I wasn't sure about moving up to get Vera Tucker. I wasn't really sure about I liked Elijah Moore as a wide receiver. I didn't think he was the best wide receiver there at that point. But they're trying to give Zach Wilson weapons. They're trying to help Zach Wilson, something that previous regimes never did for Sam Darnold. The Pittsburgh Steelers got a B, and I mocked Najee Harris to them. I didn't think that Najee Harris was necessarily the right pick, but I give the Steelers a B. They go out, they drafted some O-line help. I love Quincy Roche at pick 216, who I thought dropped quite a bit. I like Trey Norwood at 245. Um, Kind of... High ceiling guys that they got very, very low in the draft. But they go out, they get some in and louder milk. They get Roche, guys that can rush the passer. They did lose um, Bud Dupree in the offseason. They go get another linebacker from AM and Buddy Johnson. They get some O line help. They draft a tight end. You know, Big Ben loves his tight ends. Um, and then at 254, the Georgia Tech guy in me, they draft Presley Harvin. The defensive tackle-sized punter out of Atlanta. But I, I I like what the Steelers did here. I'm just not sure. I, I like Najee Harris. I thought he was the best running back on the board. But the Steelers had a lot of holes. Steelers had a lot of holes. I'm not sure if, if Najee Harris was the right pick there. I could see why they went there. I understand the thinking. The 49ers get a B. Mainly because they did not draft. Oh yes, Miss uh, Miss Reed in the comments. Steelers need a quarterback to replace Ben. I agree. I just don't think one was there. I thought when Justin Fields started to fall, Pittsburgh could have moved up. Same thing I said about um, you know why the Bears did it. You know the Bears moved up to get their guy as he started to fall. I could have if the Steelers had done it. I'm gonna say it. Um, with the next pick that I, or the next team that I gave a B to, which is the Washington football team, could have seen if. It, oh wow, Coach Smith in the comments, tight ends is what gets Ben Roethlisberger in trouble. I can't, I can't deal. Um, I could have seen the Steelers moving up to get Justin Fields as he slipped in the draft. Uh, Washington football team, I could have then seen them jump up to get Justin Fields as he slipped in the draft. But maybe those two teams felt the way that I felt about Justin Fields, and maybe he wasn't that guy. But the San Francisco 49ers get a B because they did not draft Matt Jones. <laughs> they did not draft Matt Jones. They got Trey Lance, the guy that I thought was the second best quarterback behind Trevor Lawrence in this year's draft. I think high, high ceiling for Trey Lance. I do think Jimmy Garoppolo stays with the 49ers, but if he struggles, why? I think he has a very short leash and I think he's got a quick hook. And I think you could see Trey Lance getting some action a lot earlier than expected. Although I think the 49ers' plan is for Trey Lance not to play this year. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is supposed to be the guy this year. And Trey Lance is supposed to sit. And Trey Lance is supposed to learn. I didn't necessarily understand 
the 49ers thinking with Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell. Two running backs, one at 88, one at 194. I like Trey Sermon. Um, but with Mostert, I didn't think running back was a need. I thought they could have tried to plug a hole on defense there. Um, but they did take two corners later, one at 102, one at 172. They took a safety at 180. I just thought, I didn't understand the running back mindset. Uh, why Why take, I understood when they took Trey Sermon, but why take another one? Unless you just think that one of them is going to be strictly used on special teams, or unless it's just a future pick. Which it could be. The 49ers picking at three still should have Super Bowl aspirations. Asp I don't know why I said it that way. Aspirations. The last team that got a B was the Washington football team for me. Again, another team that I thought I wouldn't have been shocked if they traded up to go get Justin Fields as he started to slide. But I do like the Kentucky linebacker Davis that they got at 19. Lots of speed. Very fast. Can play behind that very dominant Washington defensive line. Can just play with instinct. Doesn't have to overthink. They go. They get a tackle at 51 in Kosimi, who I didn't think would be there. Diami Brown, the wide receiver from North Carolina, as well as Dax Milne from BYU, can contribute. Washington needed wide receivers. I Again, one of the picks that made me go, huh, why, was the selection of Cameron Cheeseman, the long snapper out of Michigan. They draft him at 225. I'm not sure he wouldn't have been there as an undrafted free agent. I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I, that, that, the, the unsureness of what to say is kind of how I feel about that pick. But you can see what they're trying to do. They're getting faster. They're adding to that already dominant defense. Apparently Fitzpatrick's the guy. They didn't draft a quarterback. We're going to see. They're going to go into this year with Fitzpatrick and Heineke. And we're going to see how that looks. Maybe they regret that. Especially if Justin Fields goes to Chicago and, and looks dominant. And I was completely wrong. Then Washington is going to wonder why... They did not make that move. On to the teams that I gave C grades to. The Arizona Cardinals was one, mainly because I did not understand the Rondell Moore pick. If there was one thing that the Cardinals did not need, it was wide receivers. They didn't need wide receivers. I understand that he can be another Jason in the comments, my man Coffee and Hoops. Yes, I did get a haircut. I cut it myself. Thank you for noticing. You're so nice. Um, if there's one thing the Cardinals didn't need, it was wide receivers. It was wide receivers. Hopefully, Jace stays on watching. Uh, I gave his Seahawks an F, so I'm sure I'll hear his comments or he'll text me later on. Um, I like Zayvon Collins at 16, but Rondell Moore at 49. That's the reason. I'm just kind of like, why? Why did they do this? They address defense later on. Two corners, a defensive end, and a safety in the next four picks after Rondell Moore. I get it. Rondell Moore is a gadget guy, a guy that can be used in the slot. You can put Hopkins on and Rondell Moore on the same side and kind of stress defenses to one side of the field. But you also have wide receiver Isabella. Andy Isabella was supposed to be that slot guy. And so now, why did you draft Rondell Moore if you're going to play Isabella? Or 
is is are they moving on from Isabella? We'll see. I love the Tay Gowan pick at two twenty three. Um, big corner, not afraid to move in. Smart pick. And Arizona struggled at corner. I I think I'm not sure why Gowan slipped. I think he was one of the a lot of guys that opted out fell in the draft, and I think that could have been the reason it. The other team that I gave a C, the Cincinnati Bengals, Jamar Chase, best wide receiver on the board, but if Joe Burrow's not healthy, who's throwing him the ball? And they drafted Jackson Carmen at 46 out of Clemson. He's going to have to move inside. They didn't draft another lineman until 133 when they drafted Deontay Smith, uh, the other Deontay Smith, this one out of East Carolina. They did retool that defensive line. Two, three defensive linemen drafted and Tyler Shelvin at 122, a defensive tackle. They drafted the center out of Georgia at 190. I The Jamar Chase pick had to have been Joe Burrow's pick. Joe Burrow had to have said, go get my guy. You know, me, Jamar Chase, and Joe Burrow had a great working relationship at LSU. We'll see. We'll see if that ends up being the right pick or if, once again, Joe Burrow is sacked an absurd number of times. The Denver Broncos, I give a C because quarterback seemed like a need for them. And if they get Rodgers, this is an A. This team gets an A if they get Rodgers. Patrick Sertan, I had and I thought was the best defensive player on the board. They get to add him to an already dominant defense. Somehow they get Baron Browning at 105, who I thought was second round, first round border. Um, I love Kerry Vincent, how he fell to 237. I don't know. I did not understand the Javante Williams pick. Not only did they take Javante Williams at 35, they traded up to get Javante Williams. So it's confusing. It doesn't completely make sense. It's not all the way understand. They take Seth Williams at 219, another position where I don't think they really needed wide receiver, but they took one. But if the Broncos end up getting Rodgers, I, hey, this is an A. <laughs> they got the MVP to come play for them. Speaking of Rodgers, the Green Bay Packers also got a C, and this quickly becomes an F if Aaron Rodgers leaves. If, if they have to get rid of Aaron Rodgers, this becomes an F. Now, clearly, the Green Bay staff re-watched the Buccaneers tape and saw that Kevin King was like Ryan Gosling. Good with the ladies, absolute liability on defense. Um, they went out, they got Eric Stokes, a great corner out of Georgia. They also drafted Shamar Jean Charles, a corner of Appalachian State, who put up great numbers. They didn't take a wide receiver until 85 when they drafted Amari Rogers. Now, this could be the greatest joke ever. If they end up having to get rid of Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love has to throw passes to Amari Rodgers. But if Green Bay... This becomes an F if Rodgers is gone. Because there were wide receivers to take. And I understand that corner was a problem. But you re-signed Kevin King. 
Now, he's also arguably the reason why you lost in the NFC Championship game. But if you felt good enough about him to re-sign him, then you should have felt good enough about him to take a wide receiver at 29. Especially when right before the draft, it comes out that your quarterback, potentially, you're not just your quarterback, your defending MVP quarterback wants out. So, that should be interesting. The Packers get a C. Rams. Rams get a C as well. Um, I, I didn't understand Tutu Atwell pick. Smaller guy. But has upside. They they filled a lot of holes. Um, I didn't understand the Jake Funk pick out of Maryland either. They drafted two defensive linemen to replace Brockers, who they traded to the Lions. So... I get it. They get a C. I'm kind of indifferent about it. Philadelphia Eagles also get a C. They get Devontae Smith to pair back up with Jalen Hurts. They get Landon Dickerson out of Alabama, one of the best, if not the best, linemen. But the rest of their draft, I'm just kind of meh. I'm just kind of uh about. I, I thought they needed corners. They didn't take one at 73. They waited till 123 to take one, and then that was the only one they took. And the ability to stop the pass was a real problem for the Eagles. And so they neglected it. So they get to see, maybe it works out. They clearly think Jalen Hurts is the guy. So we're, we'll, we'll see. The next team that I gave a C to was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who I mocked Kyle Trask to them at 32. They get Kyle Trask at 64, who I thought, very similar in the way he plays to Tom Brady. Struggles with the deep ball. Not very mobile. Needs a good pocket around him. Tampa Bay didn't have a lot of holes to fill. They brought back all 22 starters. They're going to be a problem. They just drafted guys that they think can grow for sustained success down in Tampa Bay. They draft Tryon. They draft Hainsley. I like the KJ Britt pick out of Auburn, especially at 176. I, the Darden pick, though, 5'8", 174. I, didn't, I wasn't sure about it. I wasn't sure about it. We'll see if he grows. Tom Brady can make every any receiver look good, I'm sure. So maybe this is his new version of... Marlon in the comments said, Did the Chargers have the best draft? I, Marlon, I gave the Chargers an A, but I'm not ready to say that they had the best draft. <laughs> Um, the Tennessee Titans, they get a C. Uh, they take Caleb Fairley in the first round. I'm not sure Caleb Fairley isn't going to need surgery. That's why they get a C, because I'm just kind of average on it. If he doesn't, he's one of the best corners out there. He was one. Of, he's, he was challenging J.C. Horn for second best corner in the draft. If he needs surgery, I'm not sure about using a first round pick on a guy that you may have to redshirt. Now, Radnutz, I, I liked. I didn't love but I get taking a tackle that you can book in with Taylor Lewan. But again, I'm just kind of in the middle about this draft for the Tennessee Titans. The Detroit Lions are one of five teams that got a D. I liked Penny Swell. Everything after that was unsure about. They take two defensive tackles, uh, one at 41, one at 72, when they just traded for Michael Brockers. So if you were going to look defensive tackles, 
why trade for one? It didn't really make sense. I liked Amon Ross St. Brown, but again, he's one of those guys does a lot of things well, doesn't do one thing great. And you're you needed a receiver. So Kenny Galladay left. And that was the guy in Detroit. And now is Amon Ross St. Brown gonna be able to play that role? I don't know. I like him where they drafted him. But I'm I'm just not sure that the Lions hit on all of their picks the way that they really needed to, especially again in a division where if Rodgers leaves, is really up for grabs. The Indianapolis Colts, Quiddy Pay, liked the pick. Their second round pick did not like. Again, another guy that may not play this year in Odihegbo, uh, the Vanderbilt defensive end. I don't understand Sam Ellinger pick either. I understand that Carson Wentz has an injury history, but you drafted a quarterback last year in Jacob Eason, who's supposed to be the guy. Unless they're just of that mindset where you draft a quarterback every year, maybe. But unless they really don't like what they saw in Eason, either in practice or preseason or whatnot, I don't understand the Ellinger pick. I don't understand taking a second defensive end, this one who may not play this year, out of Vanderbilt at 54. The Raiders... The Raiders get a D as well because at this point we should just be... If they had taken Trayvon Morig in the first round, maybe they don't get a D. They get Trayvon Morig in the second round. I love that pick. That's pretty much the only pick they made that I liked. I under, they, they drafted positions of need, but it felt like they reached on quite a bit of them. Alex Leatherwood at 17. I, I thought Jenkins was a better pick. I thought Radnutz was a better tackle. I thought Dereshaw at Virginia Tech was a better tackle. They seem to reach with Leatherwood. I think they could have gotten a better tackle there. It seems like Mike Mayock was better at evaluating talent than not, than drafting it. The Dolphins get a, a D from me here. It looks like I think Miami was targeting Kyle Pitts, and I think they really, really thought Atlanta was going to take a quarterback at four. And by trading back to six, they would still be able to get Kyle Pitts. And that failed. And so then they went to backup plan. And they selected Jalen Waddle, who again, I mocked to them. But I'm not sure wide receiver was the position, the most needed position for the Miami Dolphins. Um, they do end up drafting a tight end at 81 and Hunter Long. I thought they were in position to get a Brevin Jordan. I thought Brevin Jordan, who played at Miami... Would have been a great pickup for them. Another athletic tight end that you can pair with Gasicki. Javon Holland at 36. I was kind of up in the air about. Jalen Phillips at 18. I He's going to have to hit. It's going to have to be. He's going to have to be a dominant edge rusher. And the fact of the matter is, is that I'm not sure that's the case. And that is why the Dolphins get a D. The New Orleans Saints also get a D. However, I love the pick of Paulson Adebo. Especially at 76. Tall. Not the greatest tackler, but great when the ball is in the air. 
He's great at pass deflections. He does get interceptions. Tackling could be an issue for him. But if he's keeping his wide receivers from catching the football, then his low grade as far as tackling goes doesn't matter. I did not understand Peyton Turner at 28. Pete Werner at 60 didn't understand. Really didn't understand Ian Book at 133. What does that say about... I, I thought Winston and Taysom Hill were supposed to be the guy. Ian Book, is he Taysom Hill because you finally realize you're paying Taysom Hill too much money? Like I don't, I don't understand it. We'll see where we go from there. The two Fs go to the Houston Texans and the Seattle Seahawks. Houston, it's just a nightmare for them. They trade their first and second round picks. They could have been in position to get the third quarterback. Now that now they're looking at potentially David Davis Mills at 67 starting games for them. And I feel bad for Tyrod Taylor because it seems like everywhere Tyrod Taylor goes, they draft a rookie quarterback to compete with him. But they go, they get Nico Collins, they get Brevin Jordan. But defense is consistently a problem for the Houston Texans as well. They just didn't have the draft capital to get a very high grade here. Houston gets an F. And then the Seattle Seahawks also get an F. Their first pick in the draft at 56, they get Dwayne Eskridge. Wide receiver wasn't a need for the Seahawks. You have Metcalf and Lockett. Wide receiver was not a need for the Seahawks. Now, I could be wrong, and maybe Eskridge is an absolute beast, and he balls out for them. I did like Trey Brown. I did like Trey Brown. Undersized, but still willing to... Rough up wide receivers. He's not afraid to to challenge wide receivers. Um, and Stone Forsyth at 208 could potentially end up being a starter. But I, it's that first pick that they made. Wide receiver wasn't a need. They had holes that they needed to fill. And it is for that reason that the Seattle Seahawks get an F. And so that is our draft grades. I know that took a lot of time. Um, but let's get into our quick lesson for today. This one, not NFL basic. It's challenged to the MLB. The MLB is considering banning the shift. And here's what I want to know. What happened to just learning how to hit the ball? It, it, we're considering banning the shift because Jay Bruce's numbers went down so badly that he retired in the middle of the year? And he blamed you on the shift? How about you learn to hit the ball the other way? Or, and here's mind-blowing idea but the ball down the third baseline because no one is there if the third baseman is playing almost at the second base bag you should be able to put a ball as a professional baseball player be able to put a ball in that direction to get on base safely you don't have to pull every ball it drives me insane I think Freddie Freeman is one of the greatest players on the Braves roster. Sometimes I just wish he would drop a bunt down the third baseline as opposed to hitting a baseball directly into the shift into the second baseman who's playing in the shallow outfield. If MLB banning the shift is ridiculous to me. It, it's like telling... It, it's almost like telling teams, hey, James Harden's left-handed, but you can't guard his left side. You can't prompt... You can't, you know... Take away his left side from him. You can't take away his dominant hand side. You got to give him the opportunity to go left. 
or or you got to give a right-handed basketball player the opportunity to go right. No. How about we just learn to do the, th- the fundamental things? Learn to hit the ball to opposite field. If they're giving you the opposite, the entire opposite field, learn to hit the ball that way. You're a professional baseball player. And that is why they get an F. Like, Major League Baseball, if, if I had another grade to give and all of my grades weren't handed out to NFL teams, they would also get an F. But now it's turning to the lesson. All of you out there that are home to play baseball, if you hate the shift so much, first of all, this is a managerial strategy, and I love it as a coach. Things that coaches can use to change the game. Love it. MLB banning the ability for managers to use the shift would be like banning NBA coaches from being able to, to take away or to double team a team's best player. It's ridiculous and ludicrous on all counts. Now it's time for You Got Detention. Brian Gunekist, You Got Detention. Yep. Yep. You have made it so bad that Aaron Rodgers is willing to retire and forego $23 million than to work with you. And for that reason, You Got Detention. Alright, today we got a special guest on the podcast. He is a fellow teacher like myself, although he is a teacher of the year, which I am not. That's why I'm doing a sports podcast. Uh, And he's also the son of a Hall of Famer. He is Mr. Jeremy White, son of the late, great Reggie White. Mr. Teacher of the Year, son of a Hall of Famer, White, how are you doing today? I, I I'm doing amazing. I'm doing I'm I'm doing about as well as I can do on a Monday in May when these kids are ready to get out of school and and a COVID year. Yes. Has it felt like we've done triple the amount of school this year, or is it just me? So I I I think I need to update my resume. Um, I've been a teacher. Um, I've been a lunch worker, custodian. Uh, tech services, web design. I, I've done all of that. <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty much. I know we were we were uh, we were actually hiring an IT guy, and I looked at my principal. I said, I, I basically do all my IT work around here anyway. Can I just apply for the job? She said, No, we need you in the classroom. I said, But I mean, but he only he's only there two days a week. I'm solving all the rest of the problems. So I still won't see why I can't. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> why well, I can't get a little stipend there? Exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. yeah. 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 So, man, uh, we're going to get into uh, NFL draft stuff. But first, I had a couple personal questions. Some things I just got to know. So, yeah. um, what, was it, what was it like um, being the son of Reggie White? This, this figure, this overwhelming, like, grandiose figure. Um, what was it like just growing up the son of an of a NFL Hall of Famer? You know, what's interesting is I didn't realize until I got a little older why it seems so normalized that my dad was famous and I was growing up with him because most NFL, most athletes, most um, celebrities, children, they had them later on in their careers or maybe midway through their careers or definitely not in the beginning when they make such an impact uh, that they probably should have been, you know, rookie of the year. 
um, and things like that. So it, growing up, it was just, that was his job. That's what he did. We went and we saw him on Sundays. We didn't go to away games because, you know, I had a bedtime of 7.30. That's no joke. Sometimes my mom had uh, the time change and she didn't let me know about it. So I was actually thinking I was staying up later, but I was still going to bed at 7.30. <laughs> um, so we couldn't go to away games. I didn't see a lot of Monday night football games because of that. Um, but I just knew when I was younger, if dad got sacks and we won the game, he was good to go. Um, but other than that, it was, I mean, it was, I, I probably have more memories of all the different churches that we went to and the things we did in the off season because we were just all over the country with that during, during the season. We were, you know, locked into, we lived in uh, Washington Township in New Jersey, but 20 minutes outside of Philly. And a lot of people asked me, like, how was Philly? I was like, I'm not, I'm not sure. I was only seven when we moved out of Philly. So, I mean, I didn't really, you know, went to a real small private Christian school at the time. So it's not like I really got to experience Philly. Um, and then Green Bay, obviously, was small town feel. So it was just, it was about as normal a life as you could get um, and I say that while understanding that I never needed for anything. Everything was everything was provided, but it was still like my mom gave me seven dollars a week for for for, uh, for allowance. You know, if I if I wanted a new game, she was like, "Well, your birthday's not coming up, so you got to wait." You know, things like that. So it was just it, she she did as much as she could to make it normal. I think one advantage I did have is because we lived in two different states. We live in Tennessee during the off season. To be, uh, we were a little bit close to my dad's family, and we would live wherever we were. He was playing during the season, so I got to. I went to two different schools, um, and my mom found the same curriculum at both schools. And one advantage, two advantages that I had were up north they start school later, so we started school always after Labor Day. Down south they get out earlier. So in my norm, I had three months of summer vacation. I didn't realize that wasn't a thing. Oh yeah. Um, oh fantastic. yeah. So it was it was great, and then. The other thing was, I know during, uh, especially during the Green Bay years, as I got older, my mom allowed me to celebrate my half birthday because she knew my Green Bay friends weren't able to be with me on my birthday, which is May 12th. So she let me have a half birthday celebration in November. Now, I wasn't, they didn't get to bring gifts or anything, but you know, just something to celebrate. Right, so right, right. to kind of make it normal. But it was, it, it, you know, it was, it was great growing up. Looking back at it, I, I'm actually pretty um, impressed with my parents on how much they were able to kind of hide me from uh, simply dealing with like whatever the media stories used to be written about my dad or anything like that. They kept it. It was a it was a pretty excellent family dynamic that was going on um, that, you know, I, I would look at I looked at some some of my peers now who had uh, parents who were either celebrities or athletes and it just seemed like two very different worlds right um you know growing up it was it was i was if i wasn't already getting stereotyped being um being you know reggie white's kid the celebrity kid i was getting stereotyped being a preacher's kid and you know when, when i got to know people they're like wow you're actually kind of laid back i'm like yeah <laughs> so that was that was the biggest thing was always kind of even when i was five and six always trying to um, live outside of being Reggie White's son first, and then Jeremy White. So, yeah. other than that, though, man, that was it. Was um, it was it was as normal as could be. I mean, granted, dude, lived in some bigger houses and things like that. I'm not I'm not stupid, but <laughs> but it was it wasn't. 
I didn't think I didn't think I was owed everything just because of how uh, who my dad was. He, he, I'll tell you a quick story. So when we got to Green Bay, you know, he signed that the biggest contract at the time for a defensive player. Um, I think his the only two people who were making more money than him at the time were Marino and Elway. Um, and I didn't find that out until like two years ago. It's pretty good. Company. So yeah, right, right, <laughs> quarterbacks, right, and then yeah, the Hall of Famers. So I went to school and I was starting second grade. And one of the third graders was bold. They came up to me and they said, uh, "How much do you? How much money do you make?" And I'm honest, right? My dad, dad told me he goes, "You don't don't ever lie to me." He's like, "You lie to me, you'll get in more trouble than you will if you just tell me the truth." So I said, "Well, no, I don't know. I'm gonna go ask my dad." So I went home. The first day of school, I went home. I said, "Dad, how much money do we make?" He said, "He looked at me. He goes, what? And I said, a "Kid of school wants to know how much money we make." He said, first of all, you don't make nothing." He said, and second of all, you can go back and tell that kid it ain't none of his business. So I said, okay. Didn't know how much money we made. Went back to the kid, and I said, it's none of your business. And then I carried on the rest of my day. That's, <laughs> so. that's him. Yeah, that, that is bold, though. Yeah, yeah. They, it, was, it was pretty. I remember the guy who asked me, too. He's not really a bold guy, but I don't know. I guess third graders, kids, you know they're going to be. They're going to repeat what they hear their parents saying. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, so, so growing up, you know, the son of Reggie White. Uh, did you play football? Like, was it? So here's what happened. So I know because we moved around so much, there wasn't enough consistency with sports. Um, and actually, on top of that, because I went to private schools, it wasn't as if those private schools had sports. And, and when I'm saying private schools, I'm not talking like whatever the highest graded private school in your area you can think of i need you to bring that all the way down and think of kind of your community church private schools and how many resources they have those are the kind of private schools i'm talking about so there wasn't a whole lot of opportunity for sports plus it was elementary school and then obviously middle school i went to a real smaller school in green bay um and in tennessee so it wasn't really a whole lot going on i did qualify for pop Warner one year but because Pop Warner, you know, has not necessarily age limits, but they also have weight limits, I was actually too heavy to play. Right. So I didn't play in Pop Warner. Mm. And then when I finally got some stability in North Carolina, when I moved here when I was 14, I went to a, I mean, you're talking about a private school that made my other private schools look big, right? So there's no sports there. And then my uh, 10th grade year, I, I switched to another one. Um, cause I felt like I wasn't being challenged at the first one. So I switched to another one, uh, one of the worst experiences in my life. I hated it there. They didn't really have a whole lot of sports either. Um, they had just got a football program the next year. Um, and then so my junior year, I went to public school for the very first time. Now I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty insulated on some things, but I wasn't dumb. I'm not about to try out for football. My junior year, my first public high school with everybody gunning for me. Right. I wasn't wasn't feeling that. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that seems like a horrible idea. (laughs) Yeah. No, it was, you know, it would have been like, because I, you know, I heard stories about uh, Jordan Sark. But people played against Jordan Sark, they probably brought their A game every single time. Yeah. Like, I don't need that in my life. (laughs) You know, I just, especially my first time playing. So I didn't, I, it wasn't for me. I, you know, it was a fall sport. I had just got to school. I wasn't trying to give myself all that attention because one, I didn't want the attention at all. Anyway, I was trying to be just me and wasn't trying to like let everybody know who I was. So, but on top of that, I was like, no, I'm not about to go out for football because it's not like I can go out and play JV in, in uh, as a junior in high school. Um, I decided to do track that year. I ran the 400, 
didn't break any world records, but I brought my time down by about eight seconds, so that was nice. There you go. And then that senior year, one of the coaches said, you know, White, why don't you come out and play wide receiver for me? And I looked at him and I said, man, I was like, I don't know if you realize, but I, I, I haven't played football at all. Plus, I don't got the hands for that. My, my hands are the size of my mom's hands. Like, I did not get my father's hands. Oh. I've got great hands for texting on a phone and typing on a computer. I do not have great hands for catching a football or smacking somebody upside the head as a defensive lineman or a linebacker or something. So it just didn't happen. And then um, I got to college, and it was funny because – a bunch of people did ask me, they're like, why don't you ever play football? And I'm saying, I, and I, these are football players at the college at Elon asking me, why don't you play football? And I said, look at me. I said, do I look like you? And they looked at me, they're like, you got a point. Because I wasn't, I was 6'2", but I wasn't big. I wasn't built like a football player at the time. Yeah. I'm a built like a football player now because of the pandemic. But, you know, it's... Um, that that was why I never that's why I never did it. So it just it just didn't come, and it wasn't necessarily a passion of mine. So it's not anything I thought I missed out on. But yeah, that just it just never came to fruition because of so many variables. Man, so uh, you know, let's 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 get into the sport. So uh, people that that don't know you or haven't heard you call in um, to various radio shows may not know you're a Cowboys fan, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and die hard when you. When you're Reggie White's son, the immediate question has to be, how did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think the, the easiest the easiest way to explain this is when I was coming up as a kid in the 90s, I saw my dad's team and I saw the 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. And so originally when I was like four years old, I was all about me some 49ers and some Cowboys because they were they were the two teams I kept seeing, right? Like some of these kids growing up during the Legion of Boom and they talk about, I'm a Seahawks fan. It's like, you live in New York. Why are you Seahawks fan? <laughs> so, right, it's like, get out of here. So that's kind of what happened for me. It was on TV all the time. Plus, they always, my dad always talked about the Cowboys because the Cowboys, you know, gave the Eagles fits in the early 90s. And, um, and so... I like the star. I like that blue and that white. And I just decided I was going to be a Cowboy fan. Um, and I remember my dad was, he, he didn't tell me until later, but it bothered him a lot. Like, it really bugged him. And he, he never let on that it bugged him. But he asked me one time, I was nine years old and I was talking some crap. I said, oh, Cowboys coming to town. They're going to they gonna whoop y'all's tail, Dad. They're going to whoop y'all's tail. And he looked at me. He goes, you know, why can't you cheer for your dad? And I said, well, Dad, you're just there. And he kind of hit him. And he was like, okay, I, I get it. And he was like, and the way I explained to people, I said, you know, if your dad works for Coca-Cola and you like Pepsi, that's the same thing. Yeah. And people are like, you know, die hard, yeah, you know, and die hard, die hard, cowboy, or die hard football fans are like, it's not the same thing. I'm like, it's the exact same thing. Like, if you, you know, if, you, if your dad is the CEO of uh, Juicy Fruit, and well, that's not a good example because Big Red Dog on my same cut. But you see what I'm saying? Duracell, yeah. Energizer, Advil, Malie, you know, also Chevy and Ford, all that stuff. Yeah. So that's how it was. And um, I came up, my favorite player was Emmett Smith. Um, and I remember being at the Pro Bowl. I was probably eight years old. I was like, because we went every single year. We just, in my mind, that was, that was like 
Tom Brady's kids when it, that Tom Brady win the Super Bowl. Like, oh, I guess they'll win another Super Bowl. Like, that was me. Oh, I guess we're going to Hawaii again. <laughs> so I'm out there at the Pro Bowl, and I'm I'm freaking out when I see Cowboys players. I remember Emmitt Smith walked up to me, and he said, hey, Jeremy. And I looked at my mom, I was like, Emmitt Smith knows my name. <laughs> I was so hyped. I was like, Emmitt Smith knows my name. Oh, my God, Emmitt Smith knows my name. And my friends are looking at me like, you're dad's Reggie White. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. Emmett Smith knows my name. And I was like, let's go. You know, <laughs> That's amazing. And so at nine, after I told my dad he was his dad, the year after that, my dad, every opportunity he got, he'd bring home some designed Cowboys gear for me. Uh, he was like, hey, I saw Emmett at this. I got him sign this for you. Hey, Emmett gave me his jersey. Here's his jersey for you, or something like that. So he, after nine years old, he really he was like, "Let's go. It's it's fine," you know. So he got stuff, and like, I got to meet Troy Eggman and Michael Irvin and stuff like that. And Dion went to Dion Sanders' house, and his cook was amazing. Um, you know, it just it was it was wild because it was just I was getting to meet all these people that I thought were oh, you know bigger than life and meanwhile i don't realize i probably got the bigger than most <laughs> the biggest you know bigger than life personality sitting there in my living room um of the people you named may, maybe prime time <laughs> was big right. like <laughs> right yeah and that was you know and it was it was wild because I, I do remember it's interesting now i'm thinking about it a lot of these guys used to especially dion because dion was was getting into christianity and stuff Dion would call my dad for advice, and I remember he was. I remember he was on the phone one time. This just came back to me, man. I remember he was on the phone one time in Green Bay, and he's talking to Dion. And I, I threw out a joke to my dad. I go, tell, I said, tell Dion he's too cocky. And my dad said, hush. And I was like, oh, it's a serious conversation. Okay, my bad. And I backed up and like went back to my room. I was like, forget it. You know, I thought I thought he was I thought he was cutting up with him or something. Um, but it wasn't until I turned eighteen that I really started delving into the Cowboys because I was older and I started, you know, really following it week by week. And it was, it was more than just being a fan of it. I really turned into a super fan with them. But, um, but yeah, that's, 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 that's what happened, man. That's, that's how I became a Cowboys fan, man, man. Well, let's, you know, let, let's talk Cowboys. Um, you know, prior to the conversation, um, Cowboys just declined Vander Esch's fifth year option. Um, I saw that. I saw. And I'm wondering if you know in the draft they took two line. They take Michael Parsons first, and then they they ended up getting who's probably my favorite pick that the Cowboys made. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I like Michael Parsons, but getting Jabril Cox later in the draft um, is a real was a real sleeper pick for me. So uh, first, your thoughts on declining Vander Esch's option, and then your thoughts on the Cowboys draft. I, you know, I saw something about that a day or two ago, and I thought it was they were thinking about it. I didn't realize it was it actually happened, and that that in itself surprises me a whole lot. If not for the fact that last year he went out because of injury, and unless I'm missing something, the previous years he's been on the roster have he's been great. Um, you know, people mainly going after Jalen Smith last year, but even I, I, I'd be a Jalen Smith apologist because um, Mike Nolan's whole scheme was bad. It yeah. was just nobody could get on the same page for, for nothing. 
And I, I know we, we need defensive line help, and I get that. So that was interesting that they declined that fifth-year option. Um, I had no doubt Van Der Esch was just going to go ball out and then make him make a decision because the dude's a, uh, he, he's like a younger version of Sean Lee if he can, you know, stay on the field. Because right. Sean Lee, we never got to see Sean Lee um, do what he does. But um, Parsons wasn't on my radar simply because, well, one, I wasn't super into following all the, the where the Cowboys were going to go. I just knew Pitts, Horn, and Sertain. That was in my mind. I was like, okay, it's going to be one of these three. The Pitts goes out. Oh, man. All right, you know, he probably won't go drop anyway. J.C. Horn, okay, well, you know what? I heard Shatane was better. Just Shatane, what are we going to do? I was like, <laughs> I don't know what's about to happen. Yeah. So I was like, okay, maybe Patriots going to trade up with us. I knew at least that much. I was like, okay. And when I saw a trade was in, I saw I was done with the Eagles. I look over at my fiance. I go, tell me, tell me one thing wrong with that. And she goes, it's your dad's old team. He's trying to stick it to you. I was like, you know what? You're right. But <laughs> I said, you're absolutely right because she's following the pattern. I've been I've been telling her about how the Cowboys are cursed. And I said, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I said, but you trade with the division rival. So, okay, they trade. They get, they get, um, Devontae Smith. Uh, Devontae Smith. Yeah, I knew it was Devontae. I meant to say Adams. And I was like, that ain't right. They get Devontae Smith. I get it. They take him away from the Giants. Cool. Now I ain't got to worry about the Giants having him. All right, and then, okay, we go back one pick, we pick up the third round. That's not bad. I'll take that. But when they took Parsons, I'm thinking to myself, Van Der Esch is coming back, and Jalen Smith, but then I had to think about it. I was like, okay, we don't really have depth. So, okay. So, in that vein, to give us depth and to make sure, you know, you replenish because you never want to assume a, uh, a position is filled, and that was that was, that was was made clear last year with uh, with our center retiring, and Tyron Smith going down and Zach Martin going down. You just can't assume that a position is fine just because you got to start. I get that. Right. But I don't know, man. I don't know what to think about the Van Der Esch fifth-year option not being picked up. I'm wondering if it just has to do with cap space. Um, but it, that would be me simplifying it too much. I'm sure they have their line of reason, but that, that surprised me. Yeah. I, I, you know, Dan Quinn, I can tell you as a Falcons fan, Dan Quinn loves his speed. And uh, got a whole lot of speed. <laughs> the, the Cowboys drafted a lot of speed on that defensive side. So um, that should be interesting. Like I said, I, I think the Jabril Cox one signing or draft at 115 uh, is probably uh, one of my favorites. He's the guy that I thought was very Sean Lee like. Um, okay. And then Fioko, the, the wide receiver from Stanford. Yeah, a giant of a man. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I don't know. I, I I had the Cowboys draft as a. I mean, I had the Cowboys in an A. I, I felt like they nailed the draft to be able to get Parsons at twelve, who some would argue mm-hmm. is the best defensive player. Um, the question is, is can Dan Quinn coach defense? And I can tell you that as a mm-hmm. Falcons fan, um, felt like no a lot. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Um, you think it? You think it's going to be two? And this is not me having optimism. Because my optimism always gets stomped on year after year. I might have to tell you why. Um, but it, it, you think it'll be because he was able to do some things in Seattle because he was just over the defense. You think the you think him being a head coach was too like it was too much on his plate. So I, I don't know. I I really liked Dan Quinn when we hired him, but mm-hmm. after watching him coach in Atlanta. 
I really do wonder if it was just he was in the right position at the right time. He's a defensive coordinator of the Legion of Boom Seahawks. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think I could have coached the Legion of Boom Seahawks. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and the only thing I have on my resume is a position coach at, at the high school level. So, um, I, I don't know. I think I think we'll see in Dallas when he goes to Dallas. Um it was interesting when they hired Dan Quinn because it was like Dallas's defense was bad, but Atlanta's was worse. So that's, that was an interesting hire to, to be the new DC down there. But right, um, right. Who you got as the team to beat in the NFC East? Is it Washington because they won the division last year? Do you like what the Eagles did? Do, is it Dallas's time to win the division? Uh, team to beat in the NFC East. Oh. Well, it's not the Giants. Scrap them out. I don't care how good Saquon is. Daniel Don Jones has to do something. And I, I mean, I don't know if he's going to be diamond. I'm and telling Sam, that, I, we're like, going to tell Sam in Virginia. <laughs> yeah, me, 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 and my, me and my barber always get into it because he's a big Giants fan. And he, he looked at me, he goes, Jeremy, I ain't never seen a man turn the ball over so much. Um... And I was like, ah, shucks. I, you know, I, I started looking at it, and I was like, he's right. So, because um, I always assume the Giants are going to get one over on the Cowboys anyway. Uh, but, you know, Eli, shucks. Um, so, hold on, help me out. Remind me, the Redskins, who's the Redskins quarterback this year? Because Alex Smith, it's, it's going to be Fitzpatrick, like, it looks like. It's going to be Fitzpatrick, okay. Um, they, they didn't. They didn't draft a quarterback. Some some mm-hmm. thought that when um, Hanky right wasn't it going to be? They were thinking about Hanky Taylor. Uh, yeah, Heineke. Some some Heineke, thought yeah. when when Justin Fields started to fall uh, in the draft that Washington would jump up and and, and get him. Um, but no, that that looks like they're comfortable with running it back yeah. with uh, with Fitzpatrick. So and I ain't going. You know, I'm not going. I, I can't. I can't take a, a crap on Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick has been, I, he, he's always been on a team that's saying, oh, we're going to use you as a stopgap. And then he's just like, okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll ball out while I need to. I don't know if he can do a whole season, but he'll ball out when he needs to. And people love him. Yeah. Um, they love playing with him. He's such a great teammate. I don't know what to think about the Eagles. I, I, that, that limited amount of action that I saw um, Hurts um, get last year, it was Hurts, right? Yes. I'm not having a brain fog. Hurts, okay. Uh, I saw Hurts get last year. Um, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I think the Eagles made a terrible decision in getting rid of Carson Wentz. Uh, I know there's hate up there in Philly for him was strong this past year. Um, but I can't. I, I can't. That, that man's about to ball out with uh, the Colts. He's going to have a comeback player. He's, he's going to have a great year. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with the, the head coach down there, who was his his coach up in Philly. I, I really think that's why. But I think they made a huge mistake because I don't a talent like Jalen Hurts. I think would do well if he could have just sat another year and just toned t- tuned up what he was good at, um, and kind of you know. So that's going to be that's going to be a whole thing. We got the most <laughs> shucks. The most proven quarterback in that division, I guess, is Dak. That's crazy yeah. to me. Um, so, I mean, if we're just going on quarterback, not to be a homer, I mean, it, it's Dallas's division to lose. But at the same time, they had the worst defense in the league last year. So, I, 
<laughs> we had to put up 40 points a game. I'll tell you this. If Dallas can put, if Dallas can keep teams under 20, 24 points, 28 points a game, we can win every game we're in with the way Dak was playing last year. Um, so you're, it sounds like you're a Dak guy. Yeah, I love Dak. I love, let me, I'll, be, I'll be completely honest with you, too. The only time I wasn't a Dak guy is last year. You know what? Let me not, let me not say it like that. These two things can be mutually exclusive. I've always been a Dak guy, and I was a Romo guy before that. I mean, I love me some Tony Romo. I was a Tony Romo apologist. I was convinced he was going to take us to the Super Bowl. You couldn't tell me nothing. I, and it's so hard to find a good quarterback. And Romo is a good quarterback. And then Dak came along, we got the blessing. But last year, because we were doing so bad, I actually told every single person that would listen, you know what, if we just lose every game from here on out and get Trevor Lawrence, I won't be mad. Because... I think a lot of teams feel that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, you know, except the Jets. People, except the Jets. Except, you know, <laughs> bad checking and curse. So the, the thing with it, though, is people are like, but, you know, don't, doesn't... And, and here's the thing, too. My cousin pointed this out to me, and I, and I think it's true. Um... He, he always said, he's like, you don't think that needs to get paid? I said, no, no, no. That needs to get paid. I said, but if we end up losing all the way out and we get Trevor Lawrence on a rookie contract, that'd be better for everybody. But as things started to progress and we saw that that wasn't happening, okay, yeah, pay the man. And one of the, the funniest things, man, and I say funny, it was ironic, and I hadn't really thought about it until last year. We only ever had these conversations or whether somebody should get paid when it's a black quarterback. People always get up in arms about it. Only if it's a black quarterback. I'm, I've never heard somebody say, well, he's not worth that much with another quarterback. It was Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson. Every single time a black quarterback comes up to get paid, people say he needs to take one for the team. He doesn't deserve all that. He's not that good. So I'm all about Dak getting his money. <laughs> I think I, I was think, happy when he did that. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think Dak is the best option for Dallas. I was a Dak guy. Uh, I've I've argued with guys that are not Dak Prescott fans, and I've I've said he, he put up number. If you look at his number, if you take the name away, mm-hmm. he's got numbers similar to Mahomes, mm-hmm. Rogers, <laughs> Brady. I mean, he's got numbers similar to those. You just got to take the name away. Take away the name Dak Prescott. Take away the name Dak Prescott and and ask them ask people, would you take these numbers from your quarterback? <laughs> right. And then last year, not to get too deep into it, but last year, what was the what was the conversation after that when we signed Andy Dalton? A bunch of Cowboys fans said, "Oh, good, we got we got Andy. You know, we don't need that." What? Now I'm I'm an Andy Dalton fan. Don't get it twisted. When he was at Cincy and he took them seven years in a row to the playoffs, I mean, he didn't win one. But there's a lot of teams that wish they could go seven years to run the playoffs. Absolutely. So I'm not I'm not going to tell you Andy Dalton's trash. But when they said, oh, Andy can run this offense, that's fine. Andy got in there and did the absolute best that man could do. Even after getting COVID, he could taste nothing. He could do nothing. He got rocked. Yeah. You know, yeah. and knocked out and, and everything. And I love what Andy Dalton was able to do. And I love him being a, a backup quarterback. And I think that's where he is in his career right now. But Andy Dalton is in the pushover. But you saw how far off the whole offense fell as soon as Dak went down. And it wasn't just garbage points. Dak was trying to bring them back into the game. 
People are like, that was garbage time. Garbage time is when you're losing. <laughs> and you have no chance of coming back. Dak was making these drives last year. He was on pace. Help me out. He was on pace for doggone near 5,500 yards and like 30-something Late, upper yeah. 30 touchdowns. Yeah. It was something ridiculous. We had he, no quarterback in the history of the league, I think, had been on a pace like that. No, um, you're not. I'm a, I'm a Dak guy, man, and I, I'll keep being Dak guy because I think he's stand-up. I think he's great character. I I, I, uh, I tell people all the time, um, you know, being a black quarterback, you cannot make a mistake at all. You can't make a mistake. You can't make a mistake off the field. There's a certain way you got, you know, just. I mean, you saw that. I, bodies I, up, man. I, 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 to, to piggyback off of that statement, I ranted a couple episodes ago about um, NFL scouts comparing Justin Fields to Mac Jones, and they were saying Justin Fields had character issues and, and, and seemed to neglect the fact that Mac Jones had two DUIs. <laughs> like, like mm-hmm. ignore yeah. that Mac Jones has proven that he may not make great decisions. <laughs> but mm-hmm. we're to continue to, that Justin Fields' leadership style uh, proves that he has character issues and teammates don't like his leadership style. I, I think yeah, it's, not, it, it's not that we should dissuade talking about that. It's just let's be fair about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's be fair about it. So, yeah, yeah but it, be it, fair about it. It's interesting, man. It's just, you know, a lot, lot has come up when people get to stay at home and think. And that was one of the things that just started to slowly go on. So I was like, wait a second. We in 2020. And, yeah, that's still a problem. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it is. Um, I got uh, a couple more questions for you, man. And sure. I'll let you go. And I appreciate it. So, I, I, I didn't. I didn't. I, I probably should have ran this one by you before we started recording. Um uh, no worries, man. I've been asked everything that is uh... Um With all the social justice stuff, um, Kaepernick's de- dealings and, and then mm-hmm. the kneeling issues and then stuff with George Floyd, if your dad... What would your dad's stance be on, on, on Kyle and Kaepernick if you had to try and guess? or, or if you, And if you don't know... That's fine. If you're not comfortable answering, that's fine. I, I, yeah, I am really no. curious, knowing what I know about Reggie White, having read books about Reggie White, mm-hmm. um, what his stance would have been on on Colin Kaepernick and Colin Kaepernick's choice of protest. So I thought about this. Um, I actually thought about this last year, and because I actually had to give an interview or like a. The sports reporter called me, and it didn't have anything to do with, with social justice, but it had to do with uh, my dad's inspiration for for where he went uh, with his uh, with his spiritual journey and his religious viewpoints and how it affected other players. And I had to be, I had to kind of speak for what I thought he would say. So I, I've, I've actually thought about this because um, it's interesting. I'll start with this. It's interesting. I went back. My mom has say had saved every newspaper clipping story about my dad written over pretty much his entire career and put it into a book. I had no idea she had it. Uh, you, want, you want to talk about a, a real somebody who had more organizational skills and everything. She kept my dad's life together. She had <laughs> tell you what, yeah. that woman. But, um, you know, they see Reggie at the forefront. And I'm like, my, my friends in high school used to say, does your dad know anybody? I said, my dad's not who you need to talk to. It's my mom. My mom knows all the names. She just lets my dad know where he needs to go. Behind him, you know, so, man. 
Exactly, <laughs> exactly, man. I, I, more and more, I'm almost 35, and I still am in, in awe of the things she was able to do and accomplish as early as 23 and get him, like, situated and everything with everything. But to answer your question, I thought about this, and I remember looking at an old newspaper clipping where they did a... Uh, they did a political cartoon on my dad and it had him fumbling around and bumbling around with his words trying to make him seem like he was crazy and in one of the political cartoons one of the things that he kept fumbling and bumbling around on that that wasn't that nobody wanted to really take seriously was police brutality and he goes police are targeting um black people and this is back and i'm looking at this is this had to be back when he was still in green bay um, so 95, maybe 96. And then, you know, about the, the church burnings, um, the church is being burnt, the black church is being burnt down and not being covered until it was his church in Maryville in Tennessee or in Knoxville. And, um, I thought to myself, I said, what would he be thinking about all this? And it was, if I had to guess, um, he absolutely would have said, I told you so. This is what I've known has been happening. I've spoken out on this before. Uh, his, his whole deal was he was always trying to uh, proclaim the love and the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. So his, some of his social issues got lumped in under that, right? And it wasn't, it wasn't as big of a thing because we didn't have, the, we didn't have um, social media and things like that. Right. But he absolutely, you know, he... He had to talk with me when I was eight, seven, eight, nine. You know, to talk people don't people don't realize that all young black boys have to have. And he, I mean, we. I tell you, I was, I was um, the rare occasion where he got me something I wanted. I didn't want to get it because I didn't want to seem flashy. But he convinced me to get it because he wanted to show how proud of me he was for graduating high school. And he wanted to get me a car. He wanted to get me something I liked. And he wanted to give me something nice. But he also got a huge discount on it. So he, he knew that I knew he didn't spend full money on that. So that's why I was going to take it. Okay. <laughs> right. So and I'm saying I'm saying the car because it's in context here. So I'm 18 and I'm driving around Cadillac Escalade EXT, the pickup truck. Okay, mm -hmm. 2004 Cadillac Escalade. I'm in Myrtle Beach and I got my music blasting. I'm trying to live my best life. Okay. So... I'm in, I got my do-rag on, I have my braids, and I've got, like, I've got a, like a white beater on, you know, got a tank top, and he, he knew I was about to go out, I was going to find some place, 18 to dip, 21 to sip, you know, that whole place, I was going to go out and murder, have myself a good time with my cousin, right. and he comes up to me, he goes, don't give them a reason, and it, he didn't have to say nothing else, because we had already had this talk, I was like, okay, yeah, I got you, I was like, yeah, I got you, and... You know, because when I was younger, he told me, he's like, you go out, you black. You, you got you to gotta know you black. From the moment you step out the store, you black. Like, you, you may not see it because of where we live and our suburban lifestyle, but I need you to know. And, you know, so we went through the whole thing. How do you act if something happens? You know, what to do, everything. Um, and even when I got braids, my mom didn't want me getting braids because she didn't want anybody to stereotype me. And she was, she was real like i thought i had to worry about my dad saying no to braids it was my mom who was the most worried yeah. she was she was not i mean she she was like jeremy you you black kid driving around in a jeep at 17 you got braids 
Like, you need to know where you're at. What you doing? Where are you trying? You know, all that stuff. So I believe that he, one, he would not have had a problem with Colin Kaepernick whatsoever. He may have had a problem with some of the ill-advised statements Colin Kaepernick made. Let's be fair. Yeah. You know, um, the things that did not help his cause. He may have had a problem with who Colin Kaepernick associated with. Um, but if we're talking clear cut, the message of what Colin Kaepernick was trying to get across, he absolutely wouldn't have had a problem with that. Um, and he wouldn't have thought it was an American anything. I mean, the, the thing that comes to me, and I know this conversation has been driven into the ground, but I'll say it for the umpteenth time. If a military, if a member of the military gives you the okay to do what you're doing, that's case closed. Agreed for it. Done. Not just yes. a special yes. forces. <laughs> you're right. That's case closed. We don't even need to have a debate anymore about this. If you want to then say, I feel as if, that's fine. If you want to say that is, then no, no. no. You're talking about and it, and it, how many people in the Army um, and in the Navy and in the Armed Forces came out against him? I don't remember people coming out against him. So there's your answer, you know, with, with, with the people that still have problem with this. Because I'm like, I, I just... You know, it's just, I, I don't know. I don't know. But it's its interesting because people just have short memories, man. They, they, I was actually thinking last night, do you remember, because people are saying they hate cancel culture and all that stuff. Do you remember, uh, there was a woman on Facebook years ago, probably eight, nine years ago. She went to the a place in Washington, D.C., where it said, uh, please don't be disrespectful and please don't yell or something like that. And she she flipped off this monument and pretended to be screaming at the monument. Her job found out about it and fired her. And a bunch of you know pro-military citizens were like, good, she should have been fired, right? right. But then there's things that happened today that they're like, they shouldn't be fired for that. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, you always, I don't know why we feel as if we need to be on a team when it comes to some stuff like this. Like, if the man is trying to bring awareness to something that he sees as an injustice that's happening, that has now been proven that he should have brought awareness to it, yeah, I, I, my dad would have been on board from day one. Um, yeah. You know, I, I he would have been on board from day one. I, I have that's... no doubt about that. I, like I said, it, that doesn't mean that the person carrying it out is spotless. That doesn't mean that the um, the people who are in the limelight speaking for it are the ones who should have the microphones in front of them. I think these things are mutually exclusive. You can take the cause and you can take the movement and separate it from the person doing it. Because I can in one instance say, you know, I'm not going to say names, but I can in one instance say no he or she does not represent this, but at the same time, I agree with what they are trying to get across. Right. Um, you know, without without putting anybody on blast. I got you. <laughs> I got you. Well, I got one last question, man. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go. All right. Do your students know Reg Wright? <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so um, my oh man, so my kindergartners know. They, they know that he's a football they, they used to play football some of them they still don't get it um, 
even my kindergartners from five years ago, they don't they don't really get it either. And it's funny to me because I I don't lead with that, and I need to start leading with that more because they they don't know me as Mr. White the teacher. Not gonna know me as uh, you know, Reggie White's son, Mr. White. But yeah, no, my students don't even. I think probably gosh, I was thinking about this the other day. I'm trying to think of what generation where the kids are gonna start forgetting. I'm thinking unless I was teaching high school. They, you know, they, they're not going to remember. So some, uh, of my, some of my students listen to the podcast. So I think I may oh, okay. I may open up class tomorrow. With how many of you know who Reggie White is? <laughs> you know that, and then you need to do that. Uh, you need to do that uh, board dot com uh, YouTube where he does the uh, he does the, the highlights. He just does it for fun. Yeah, that's one of my favorite ones to watch that he did with my dad. Uh, I don't know all the people who do the highlight reel, but I will tell you, it's interesting though because. Kids, kids remember what you tell them because I, like I told you, I teach kindergarten, and somehow we got on this subject of losing parents. Like one of the kids had said, "I lost my me ma," you know, and then one of the girls goes, "I lost my mom," and um, and I and I said, "Yeah," and I said, "I lost my dad," and one of the little girls goes, "You mean the one who plays football?" <laughs> yeah. And in that moment, I was like, "Oh, yeah, this is sad," but at the same time. It was interesting because just like the high off at 18, he's not supposed to die. He's a, you know, he's a football player. You know, it's like, and just to see that in a five-year-old that she was surprised. Wait, wait, wait. You mean, you mean the one my parents told me about? How? What are you talking about? He's a football player. How is he? You know, so that that was really interesting. That happened about three or four weeks ago. But yeah, so they're not they're not too in tune with that. But then again, you know, they've, they've, I had a student today tell me he knew three Spanish words. I said, okay, what well, three Spanish words do you know? He said, I know hola, I know hola amigo, and I know amigo. I was like, all right, good. <laughs> good hey, I can well, you know, they, got their, they got their version of the world. Hey, <laughs> hey. I mean it. It is. It doesn't. It doesn't change. I get to have teach middle and high school. It doesn't. It doesn't change. It's the exact yeah, God same. bless you. I can't. I can't do middle school. I see. I can't do elementary. So God bless you. <laughs> we all got our niche, right? We all. We all got our our, our fields. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, man. You know what? I appreciate the time. Um, you know, I'm, I'm. I'm gonna have to have you back on when the, when the season. Please. Starts. When we can. Please. We can. We can talk a little. Uh, I don't know. We'll see how them Cowboys doing. Yeah, we'll see you sure. Next time, next time I'm going to have to tell you how, how I, I've cursed the entire franchise. That's what we're going to do. I'll uh, tell you that yeah, if, if they get off to a bad start, I'll have you back on to talk the curse. Please. Please. <laughs> yes. Uh, that always involves the Packers and the Eagles. Hey. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Follow him on Twitter at the real Mr. White. Um, that's it. That's the handle, oh. right? Can I can I play? It's at, it's at underscore Mr. White One dot com or Mr. White One dot com. At underscore Mr. White One, um, and the, the the actual like just the the handle is at underscore Mr. White One. Uh, but I also want to, if I could plug my YouTube channel. Absolutely. Um, if you go if you go on YouTube and just search Jeremy White Lift Tutoring L I F T Lift Tutoring. Uh, I would appreciate a subscription, even if it's not really relevant educational content for you or your kids. Um, I would appreciate a subscribe uh, on that. Um, but yeah, we talk about a lot of different things on how you can help your kids with uh, their early childhood education. Yeah. Uh, because I know a lot of parents are really lost when it comes to that because they don't, they don't remember how they learned how to read. So they, they don't know how to help their kids. So I, I made a channel that talks about like how you can relate pop, pop culture to your kids with that. 
yeah, how I you just, can use video games and all that stuff. I just typed it in and I subscribed. It's uh, the video that pops up if you search Jeremy White Lift Tutoring is your kids know more than you, Iron Man. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> yeah, you can watch that one first. But yeah, so there's a lot of different ones on there. But yeah, so if you just type that in, um, the, the actual URL is youtube.com backslash C backslash Jeremy White Education. So yeah, I'd appreciate it. Um, yeah. Thanks for that. Hey, you guys go check it out. And Mr. White, Jeremy son of the hall of famer teacher of the year whatever of the many accolades you want to go by i appreciate it thank you so much and you have a great day all right man i'll talk to you later <laughs> all right bye there it is so that's gonna bring our episode to a close uh follow him on twitter uh go to youtube search jeremy white it does pop up tutoring videos for students uh or parents with young elementary age kids um, great stuff, great content there. Go give him a subscribe. And hey, shout out to Evan Tanner for the microphone. He fixed the audio issues that I was having early on in the process. Diamonds and Pearls on Airbnb at Sunset Beach. It's right off the golf course. If you like the beach, if you like seafood, if you like golf, if you like all three, then this is the place for you. Search Diamonds and Pearls on Airbnb. Proud sponsor of the podcast. Shouts out to Marlon and Marlon. Last episode was a simulcast with them. We went over the draft. Check that one out. See who was the most right. Uh, I know a lot of his guys, a lot of of hate in in the comment section there. So looking to get some of those guys on so we can hash it out. But thank you all for listening. Uh, Be sure to like, subscribe uh, on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Share with your friends. Have them listen too. And hey, this tie is uncomfortable. Coach Dwayne is out.